Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSN, the sports betting network. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, and per usual, broadcasting live here out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook just outside of Chicago in Des Plaines, Illinois. I'll be with you for the next hour. So, again, thank you for being with us. And let me tell you what we got dialed up throughout this next hour. We've got Greg Hoops Peterson. That's right. The college basketball guru himself will be giving us some of his top plays for the evening and a lot of solid games to look forward to, especially a couple in the Big Ten, some ACC action and plenty more with our guy Greg Peterson. So that'll be in 15 minutes. Then how about in a half hour, we'll also talk some more basketball, but we'll go professionally with Alex Barutha, assistant NBA editor over at Rotowire. He'll be giving out his top plays throughout the association. So that'll be in 30 minutes. And then at the end of the show, I know I've been preaching about Darius Garland, for most improved player, by the way, his odds dropped down at Bet Rivers from 16 to 1 to 14 to 1. But I'm going to be going in a different direction tonight. I want to talk about the defensive player of the year. Now, maybe there's not as tremendous a value as I see for most improved player, but I still think it's worth a discussion and maybe a bet on one or two candidates throughout that award. So that will be discussed in 45 minutes at the end of the hour. But I do want to kick things off talking about our best bets for tonight. Want to give those out as soon as possible. So let's go ahead and jump right into it here on Rush Hour with Danny's Dimes, a.k.a. my best bets for the evening. And we've got a couple 
throughout the association tonight. We've got one play on the money line and one prop that we'll look forward to betting. So let's jump right into it with Danny's Dimes here on Rush Hour. Let's take a look at this Hornets and Pelicans game tonight, folks. And originally, I really wasn't going to have that much interest in this spot, but I saw there was some line movement, and it wasn't too drastic that would have kept me away. So I still think there is definitely a betting opportunity present down in New Orleans as the Pelicans are hosting the Hornets. So let's look deeper into it because the Pelicans opened up as a one-point favorite for this game, total at about 229, but this has dropped down significantly right now at 223 and a half. So that's where the movement's gone toward the under. Spread, well, New Orleans opened up as a point favorite. Now they're up, or excuse me, actually the Hornets now is the favorite because they're up to a three-point favorite. Money line for the Hornets, minus a buck 48, plus 123 on the buyback for the home dog in New Orleans. So you're probably asking, why was there such a dramatic move to the under and such a altering shift for this spread? Well, it's because the Pelicans are going to be missing some of their top guys. No C.J. McCollum, no Brandon Ingram. We know Nance has been out, but overall the Pelicans are missing two of their top scores. And the Hornets defensively we know are not really sound, but where they struggle is where they're going against opponents that really have perennial scoring threats, such as a McCollum, such as an Ingram. So that's why you've seen this flip in favor now of the road team being Charlotte. Furthermore, looking into the analysis of this game, yeah, the Pelicans, they've lost their last three games and most recently to Orlando. So uh, probably not too many good vibes going around this team right now. The Hornets, though, at the same time, have lost their last two games, but they are seeking out a win here. Both are bubble contenders. The Hornets are a little bit better team regardless of the health in this spot, in my opinion, regardless. But uh, the Hornets are 11th in offensive points per possession and 12th in offensive effective field goal percentage. And that's important because, yes, it's above average. We know they're able to score on a consistent basis. But what does the matchup look like in terms of their opponent? How are they defensively? How are the Pelicans? Well, they're 18th in defensive points per 100 possessions and even worse in defensive effective field goal percentage, ranking 24th. So you put that into the equation with an already good offense with Charlotte. You're probably thinking they can score a decent amount. But how are the Pelicans going to be able to keep up without two of their top scorers in C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Now, looking at the Hornets even more so, a majority of their shots come both at the rim and from beyond the arc. Well, the Pelicans, where they slack defensively specifically, is at the rim, where they rank 25th, and beyond the arc, where they rank 19th. So again, another added bonus to trusting the Hornets here. And finally, hey, if you want a stat for the Pelicans offense, well, their half-court offensive set really is not too successful. They're 26 in half-court offense this season, and they in the Hornets, eh, they're okay defensively. They rank 16th in half-court defense. Nothing too crazy, but again, if the Pelicans are already struggling in their offensive half-court set with their stars, can't imagine it's going to be too viable tonight without them. So I'm going with this line movement here. I've played the Hornets on the money line. You know what I like to do if it's a short enough spread, I'll lay a little bit more so I don't have to deal with the craziness at the end of the games. Money line now up to minus 148. Ideally, yeah, you probably could get like a 140 would be, you know, the perfect, not perfect, but it would be the more appropriate setting to get this money line price. But if you're comfortable still laying that much, Again, the highest then at that point I'd go would probably be 150, but I do think the Hornets are the right side in this matchup as they go on the road to take on the Pelicans. So that's our first time tonight going Charlotte Hornets on the money line. 
Let me take you to another angle throughout the NBA this evening. This is going to be revolved around a player prop in the matchup between the Clippers and the Hawks. So if you know this Atlanta team, you know they're not very good defensively. And even more so, they're very poor in defending beyond the arc. So who can we look to take advantage of that with on this Los Angeles Clippers team? Well, that takes us to Nicholas Batum. Yes, the old veteran Batum still going after it and still taking a majority of his shots from beyond the arc. So that's why he stands out for this prop bet. 69% of his shot attempts are coming from deep, and he's making over 40% of them. He's averaging about two three-point field goals made per game on over four and a half attempts. Overall this season, he's gone over one and a half three-point field goals made in 24 out of 47 games. And I'm saying one and a half because that's where his prop number is set at, at Bet Rivers, one and a half threes. Over has some shade to it with the juice minus 127, and the under is even money. But I'm riding this over. He's already gone over it versus Atlanta once. Granted, he barely did. He got two threes made on six attempts. But again, Atlanta, very poor defending the three. They rank 27th in defending the three ball. Opponents connecting on 37% of their shots. So I'm looking to take advantage of it with one of the Clippers players and a guy who pretty much primarily all of his shots are coming from that specific area. And that guy's going to be Batum tonight. So I went Nicholas Batum over one and a half three-point field goals made at the price of minus 127 at Bet Rivers. So those are my two official plays tonight for Danny's Dimes. We're coming off a nice hockey sweep last night, looking to carry that momentum this evening. So we're doing Batum over one and a half three-point field goals made. And then the Hornets on the money line, minus 134, taking on the banged-up New Orleans Pelicans. So those are our two official NBA plays. However... I did want to talk about one college basketball game. Now, we'll get further into this and get the expert opinion of Greg Hoops Peterson in the next segment, but I did just want to share my two cents on this game. I really wasn't in love with this slate, but if there was going to be a game I was going to get involved with, it would be this Michigan State and Wisconsin game. The Badgers opened up as a two-point favorite. They're now up to three at Bet Rivers. If you're more interested in the money line, that's seen a lot of steam because I think it was in like the 140s, maybe 150s. Now it's at minus 167 for Wisconsin against Michigan State. Now the concern with the Badgers was Johnny Davis, the top player in the Big Ten. He got shook up a little bit in their final regular season game against Nebraska, but it seems that he is going to be good to go for this game. Michigan State got the dub last night against Maryland, 76-72. We had a little lean on that game, and the Spartans came through. It's always nice trusting Tom Izzo in March, but I don't think I can trust him in this game too much. So Michigan State did defeat Wisconsin in Madison once, 86-74. Wisconsin got revenge in East Lansing, 70-62. And Michigan State does statistically match up pretty well against Wisconsin. The Spartans shooting over 38% from deep, Wisconsin just 31%. Michigan State shooting about 46% from the floor. Wisconsin just 43%. Both are pretty identical with free throw shooting, but Michigan State does out-rebound Wisconsin 37 to 35 on their averages. But to me, at this point in the season, conference tournament time, familiarity, it comes down to a few things. Who's got the better player? Who's got the experience? Who's got the rest advantage? and maybe who has that extra incentive with the chip on their shoulder. Well, Wisconsin checks the boxes for all of those categories to me. They got the better playmaker. They got the best player in the Big Ten and in this game in Davis. 
that becomes immensely crucial down in the stretch of March. Who can hit those clutch shots at the end? Who can you rely upon? And Johnny Davis is one of those guys. Furthermore, who has more experience? I mean, it's his Wisconsin team. They've been playing like a top team all season, and I think they're going to act like it in this game. Who's got the rest advantage? Obviously, Wisconsin. Michigan State played last night. That doesn't automatically mean the advantage is with Wisconsin because, of course, Michigan State can carry some momentum they had from winning the game the night before, but they also almost blew a huge lead. So they might be a little bit more, I don't know, just have those nerves acting up in this game more so than usual, knowing they almost got beat after having a huge lead in the first round and going up against a very difficult test in Wisconsin. And finally, where does the motivation factor lie here? Now, it seems like Michigan State's good to go for their seeding in the tournament. Obviously, they can improve on it. And of course, they want to win this tournament just as much as Wisconsin does. But the reason I think I give the nod to Wisconsin in this category is because they got cocky before going into the Nebraska game. They were all confident. They had their share of the Big Ten title game, and then they got embarrassed against a terrible Cornhuskers team. They're not going to be lackadaisical coming into this game. They're coming out with vengeance. They're coming out on a mission. And they've seen what's happened to some of these other Big Ten teams, Illinois, Ohio State. They're going to be ready to go. And as much as I don't want to trust them, I actually do a tad bit more. So I'm going with Wisconsin in this game over Michigan State as my lean. That's what I would look like for college basketball. And, hey, how about this triple overtime thriller? UAB pulling it out against Middle Tennessee. I'm looking at the big screen. If you're sweating that out, uh, hopefully you were on the side of UAB. Just an insane game. But that's going to wrap it up for Dandy's Dimes. We'll recap that at the end of the show. But more college hoops coming next year on Rush Hour with Greg Hoops Peterson. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. So make sure to subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts available and you get hooked up several episodes a week great local sports betting content. Speaking of great sports betting content, it's time to talk more college hoops here on Rush Hour. Of course, I'm Danny Burke, your host, but we got to take it out to the expert himself of college basketball, that is, and Greg Hoops Peterson is the name. At GUnit underscore 81 is the handle on Twitter. You got to follow our guy. He handicaps every single college basketball game, and it's at the most important and exciting time of the year. So, Greg, thank you for making some time tonight. We might as well get right into it because there's plenty of games to go through. And I want to start with this Creighton and Providence game tip off in less than 15 minutes. Providence lane three against Creighton, total at 131. What are you thinking for this matchup? I think Providence should be closer to a six point favorite. I think the narrative that Providence has been getting really lucky in, and let's call it what it is. They've gotten some good breaks throughout the season, but I think that that narrative has run through a little bit too much. And when it comes down to it, I think that this is still a really solid Providence team that has been able to do a very solid job of being able to get games under their own tempo. They rank in the bottom 75 in terms of possession frame. And you take a look at this Providence team, they should be able to win the battle down low. You've got yourself a guy that is able to give you right around 15 points, six boards and Nate Watson. That's able to dominate in that aspect. And then you've also had Jared Bynum really step up for this team, 15 plus points. In five out of the team's last seven contests, shooting over 43% from three-point range. Creighton was able to get the job done yesterday against Barquette, but I do fear that not having their point guard in Ryan Nemhart is going to be very costly for a team that already was in the bottom 75 in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis. Providence not necessarily a team that's going to pick pocket too much, but Creighton, nearly 14 turnovers per contest. They do have Ryan Kalkbrenner down low, but I do think that the versatility of Nora Horkler, a six foot eight combo player that shoots over 40% from three, going to be too much for Creighton. Made Providence a six point favorite. And I think that this total should be more around a 129, 129 and a half. So I want to look at the under as well. 
All right, Greg, let's transition over to some ACC action. Tell us about Duke and Miami here. Now, we know that Duke is the big favorite to win this conference tournament, but for this game specifically, they're laying nine points. Higher total at 148 in the hook. Is nine a little bit too high on Duke for you? Nine is a little bit too steep. I want to putting this in the decent best bet female. I'm on Miami plus nine. When it comes to this Hurricanes team, I do think that you've got yourself a good backcourt that is going to disrupt this Duke team because, well, we've already seen it once before. Miami went into Cameron Indoor. They were able to get the job done. Charlie Moore wound up having more steals than Miami wound up having committed turnovers. So I do think that Miami is going to be able to hang in there in that fashion. Now, you do have a Miami team that they have not been great on defense. They rank right around 240th in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But this has been a Duke team that has been a little bit all over the place. I was expecting a little bit of a fall-off in terms of A.J. Griffin's three-point shooting percent coming into the ACGC tournament and rode in neutral court environments. He was shooting over 50% from three. So I do think that Miami is going to be able to do a solid job of guarding the perimeter. Now, Paul Bancaro is going to get his 17 points, eight boards, great versatility. Mark Williams down low. They will give you two or three blocks per game. But you've got Jordan Miller. A guy that comes in from George Mason, five plus rebounds in 10 out of the team's last 12 games for Miami is able to give them a little bit more sturdiness down low. I do think that Miami being a little bit undervalued. And I do think that with Miami being a slower tempo team, that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game out there in a little bit of a less than traditional environment. This is not in Greensboro like you typically have it. This is in the state of New York. So somebody total 147 and a half, dive and under. And I'm taking a look at the points with Miami. I set this line more on six and a half. All right, Greg, let's take a look at a game that may be not catching as many eyeballs for this matchup, but we'll wait to see what your betting angle is, and I'm sure a lot of more, a lot more people will be inclined to watch it, and it's going to be New Mexico State and Grand Canyon, and we see New Mexico State, Greg, two-and-a-half-point favorite, total at 132. What did you make your numbers for this game? I made Grand Canyon the two-point favorite, so I'm on the complete opposite here. I feel you like Grand Canyon. Should be a favorite in this spot. I'm looking at them on the money line when it comes to Grand Canyon. This is a team that really has all the goods. They are very well coached. You've got a guy in Bryce Drew that, well, he knows about March moments, and he's been able to do a great job of being able to instill some defense with this team. This is a Grand Canyon team that is in the top 15 in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Interestingly enough, you're going to have Nebraska cast off by the way, in this game as well. Yvonne Odriogo wound up leading the team in rebounds a few years ago. He's on Grand Canyon. Teddy Allen, the top scorer of Nebraska from last year, he's on New Mexico State. So that's one of the most ironic things I've ever seen before in my life. But when it comes to this Grand Canyon team, I think that they're going to be able to win the battle in the backcourt because you've got Holland, Boo Boo Woods, couple with Javon Blackshear. They combined for 31 points. They combined to shoot about 37% from three. Grand Canyon as a whole, they shoot sub 70% at the free line, but these two gentlemen, they combined to shoot more like 80% at the free line. I think that Grand Canyon, with their overall defense, gave McLaughlin, giving them six half rebounds game, and New Mexico State not really having that number two score outside of Teddy Allen, who's been terrific for the team. It's going to lead to Grand Canyon being able to get the job done. I like them on the money line, getting a plus price. All right, Greg, I want to go to the Big Ten, a game I was just talking about before we brought you on, and it's about to begin in about 10 minutes or so, and that's Michigan State and Wisconsin. Now, I, uh, I have had trouble betting for and against Wisconsin this season, Greg, but I kind of like them in this game, and there's been just late movement now. They're up to three and a half, money line minus 186. When I was just talking, it was in like the minus 160s. Are you with that steam? Do you think Wisconsin is the right side in this game? Now, we saw some Wisconsin's two and a half at the beginning part of the day, and I want to take one of those 
Now, at three and a half, I think we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. This is the number that I wanted making three. With Wisconsin, I did have to deduct them a half a point just because with Johnny Davis, he is going to play in this game. We don't know how close to 100% he's going to be. Now, just having him back out there on the court is going to be massive for Wisconsin because I'll make the argument that with slash without a Johnny Davis, Wisconsin has the biggest split with one player being on slash off the court of any team out there in college basketball. I mean, we wound up seeing it when they wound up playing against Nichols without Johnny Davis. They only won by three points on their home court. They wind up losing to Nebraska when he's out in that second half a few days ago. So I do think that that is very important. But when it comes to this Michigan State team, you can never count on Tom Izzo in March. This is not a vintage Michigan State team by any stretch of the imagination. You don't have one headline scorer, Gabe Brown, only guy that's giving you more than nine and a half points per game. But they shoot it well from three-point range, and they did wind up getting a win on the road at the Gold Center earlier this season. You've got a pair of guys, Ty Walker, coupled with what you've been able to get out of Marcus Bingham Jr., being able to do a solid job for this team. Bingham Jr., right around two and a half blocks per contest, seven-footer that's able to give you a couple threes. Walker, one of the best three-point shooters in all of college basketball, coupled with Billy Cowell. Both of these guys shoot over 45% for three. I think Michigan State holds in there. If you're seeing three and a half, I think that the boat has really wound up leaving you there. Three or less would be a play on Wisconsin. But if you're seeing this continue to get steamed up, it's just one that you probably want to avoid. And I would do wind up saying my total more around 133. So total of 136 that we're seeing, I like that under. Now, Greg, I was looking at your Twitter, of course, to look at how you set these numbers. Because anytime I'm curious about a game, I got to reference your analysis first. And one of these where I saw a pretty sizable discrepancy, if I'm not mistaken, was with Virginia Tech and North Carolina. So correct me if I'm wrong, the Tar Heels right now are two-and-a-half-point favorites, but you had Virginia Tech is almost a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Is that right? That is correct. I think that Virginia Tech is going to be able to get revenge on North Carolina in this spot. North Carolina wound up being able to take the first two matchups, but I think that Virginia Tech is going to look to slow things down to a crawl. This is sort of a number in which I do think that you wind up having the total and also the side a little bit, shall we say, married together because it's a game in which Virginia Tech is in the bottom 10 at all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game, and they're a team that they just shoot the lights out. They shoot 39% from three firings. You've got yourself a North Carolina team that just all year long, they have been not so good on defense. It's a team that, with regards to points a lot on a per-possession basis, you are finding them clocking in right in the neighborhood of about 180 So. That is a little bit of an issue when it comes to Virginia Tech as well. What this team does a good job of is not allowing you to get second chances, and you're able to say the same for North Carolina. North Carolina in the top ten in all of college basketball in terms of defensive rebound rate, but they just allow those threes. Guys like Hunter Couture, Naheem Ali, I think is going to be able to tear it up. And then you've got Mr. Versatility out there, Justin Musk, 13.5 points, 6.5 boards. He's able to give this team three assists per game. So with North Carolina, they've been able to ride a little bit of good momentum, getting that win over Duke. They look very impressive against Virginia yesterday. I like Virginia Tech in this spot outright on the money line. Also want to make my total more around 136 because I think that Virginia Tech pulls this game down. So on the under and the money line. There you have it. Greg Peterson, ladies and gentlemen, at GUnit underscore 81, where you could follow him on Twitter and also host of the Greg Peterson experience here on VEASAN. Greg, appreciate all your hard work. Enjoy the rest of the tournament weekend, and then I know we'll be getting hectic for you next week, so uh, try to get some rest in the meantime, pal. <laughs> we will sleep when I'm dead, my friend. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me.
That's what we love to hear. Again, follow Greg on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. The best in the biz when it comes to handicapping college basketball. We'll keep it in the convo of basketball, but let's go professionally next. Alex Barutha, assistant editor at RotoWire. He will be hopping on Rush Hour, giving us his top plays for the Friday night NBA slate. So stick around. We'll talk about that and some futures to wrap things up here on Rush Hour. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VEASAN's full court bracket betting coverage. Starting this Sunday with six hours of free live video streaming on VEASAN.com, we're including the full bracket reveal and opening lines for every single game. The VEASAN College Hoops experts, which includes Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Bontobel, and Tim Murray, will analyze every game, discuss with the bookmakers their opening lines, to help you find the best early value. So don't wait for the lines to move. Start your bracket and round one tournament betting with the VEASAN College Hoops experts on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, free on VSIN.com. Welcome back to VEASAN, the sports betting network. The show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, broadcasting live out of the Bet River Sportsbook here in Des Plaines, Illinois. Time to talk more basketball, but throughout the NBA slate this evening. And for that, we're going to bring on Alex Barutha, assistant editor over at Roto-Wire, covering all things hoops there, does great work and solid betting. So, Alex, I know you got a plethora of plays tonight. I want to take it with this Hornets and Pelicans game first because you and I have a mutual interest in this game. Now, we see Charlotte as a three-point favorite. I know you got an angle with the side, and I also know you have some interest with a prop for this matchup. Yeah, I like the Hornets minus three here on the road. New Orleans is down CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. I don't expect a ton out of their offense. Um, I think they're going to run through Valanchunas a lot, who is by far, by a significant margin, their best offensive player right now. And I think, you know, even if uh, everyone was healthy for New Orleans, this line wouldn't be out of the question. So I do like uh, the Hornets, who are essentially fully healthy minus Gordon Hayward, who's been out for a while. They're essentially healthy. Uh, so I'm a little surprised that this line is what it is. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, even though I do think Charlotte will win, I do expect a big game on a Jonas Valanciunas, at least in the scoring department, since I think he'll be handling the ball a lot. Um, I think it, I, I saw his prop earlier in the day at about 22 and a half points. Uh, he's typically around 16 to 18, but I think just the increased usage, I think they'll just feed him a ton. Yeah, looking at it right now, trying to see, yeah, 22 in the hook is what we're seeing over minus 108, under minus 118, so you're not laying as much juice either, and really that's a sound thought process to it considering the missing pieces on that squad would be a pretty safe assumption you would think for Valanciunas to at least get ample amount of opportunity. So I like that angle and definitely like where you're going with the Hornets because we're playing the money line here, so you and I will be sweating that one out together. Uh, moving along, though, Alex, tell us about another prop you got here with Luka Doncic. Now, Luka's been going off ever since, really, the post-trade deadline. It's not like he wasn't before, but it seems even more emphasis on him scoring points on a nightly basis. They get a favorable matchup on the road against the Rockets, and it seems like you think Luka will take advantage of that. 
I do. Yeah. The favorable matchup is part of the equation here. And also uh, Jalen Brunson is sidelined and Brunson's the guy who typically takes a lot of the burden off of Lucas shoulders, just from a usage rate standpoint. And yes, they added Dinwiddie to the equation. And I assume Dinwiddie is going to start and he'll take on some extra usage as well, but he's not nearly as trustworthy as Brunson. So I think this will be an opportunity for Doncic to have a huge game. Of course, you do have to worry a little bit about the blowout potential here, but Doncic is someone who could easily go over his points, rebounds, and assist prop, which I think is in the low 50s right now, uh, basically in three quarters if he gets hot enough. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think just without Brunson, it's going to be a lot of work for Doncic. All right, Alex, I want to move on to a game that you would think would maybe have more of a narrow spread, but it's actually pretty wide, and this is going to be in South Beach. The Heat taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, Cleveland, as of this point, dealing with some significant injuries. Sexton has already been out a while, and now Jared Allen is out indefinitely. And I know these bookmakers were waiting to get the official injury news, I'm sure, surrounding the Heat for this game, but the line is up to 8.5 in favor of Miami. Total as low as 212 in the hook. What was your thought process for betting this game? So earlier in the day, it was seven and a half. I saw, but Jimmy Butler just got confirmed in to play for this game. So that line is going to move more in favor of Miami. My thought process here is that I just think without Jared Allen, this Cleveland team doesn't have as strong as uh, of an identity. Uh, you know, they were playing Jared Allen at the five and Mobley at the four. You weren't going to score at the rim uh, on that team. And they could even, uh, send Mobley out to the perimeter to disrupt some stuff. I think without that, they're going to run into a lot of issues. They have to play Mobley at the five, have him at the rim. He can't guard out at the perimeter because then they have nobody to protect the basket. And then even more offensive workloads get uh, put on Darius Garland, who I, you know, I think can handle it. Um, but I, I don't necessarily like this matchup because uh, you have Bam out of bio, one of the best defenders in the NBA going up against Evan Mobley. So that's going to be tough for Mobley to get going. And then you have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler, presumably on Darius Garland, who's going to try to get the offense going for Cleveland. So I think Cleveland's going to have a really rough night trying to score on this Miami defense. And even though the line is relatively big, um, I still like Miami to, to cover at home. Now, Alex, I'm going to ask you to speculate a little bit here, but I was interested in this game for a couple of reasons. I'm sweating out Darius Garland, most improved player. But another reason is uh, with Cleveland tomorrow, they're going to come to the UC to play the Bulls. Now, it's a tricky spot for Cleveland because of the injuries, because we'll be on the second leg of a back-to-back. -back. And the Bulls had a, are going to have a couple days of rest. Levine is questionable. Vooch is probable. Caruso now is questionable. I was kind of thinking maybe this line would open as the Bulls a small favorite. It's still a tough matchup against a division rival, and then maybe the market would trust Cleveland a little bit more. I kind of see it because of the situational aspect with Cleveland playing tonight, then going to the Bulls tomorrow. I feel like the Bulls, if they're a short home favorite, could be a viable betting option tomorrow night, depending on the injury status, of course. I'm with you on that. I, I really like the Bulls. They might be getting Caruso back. Um, and yeah, Levine questionable. You do have to take that into consideration, but they've shown an ability to persevere through injuries all season and still rack up wins. And you're right. I think, I think it's going to be a really tough matchup here against Miami for Cleveland. Uh, I think they're going to just get worn down. So yeah, then you have to go into Chicago and deal with the, the Chicago who, uh, Bulls who play the Bulls play very fast as well. So they'll be playing the, the Cavs on tired legs. Uh, I think that's a that's a good note by you.
Now, Alex, coming back to tonight, I know we went through some of your top plays. Is there anything you added as of late or anything you're kind of keeping an eye on? Maybe you'll add before tip-off. Maybe you'll look for an in-game betting perspective that we haven't discussed up to this point. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this Clippers-Atlanta game. I, I don't have, like, a strong read on it necessarily, but Atlanta's been pretty disappointing all season. And then on the other hand, the Clippers have been kind of overperforming all season. And you get Atlanta minus, uh, I see seven and a half at home. Um, not sure where the money would be on that one, but I would definitely consider the Clippers plus seven and a half on the road. They play a lot of close games. They're really well coached. Uh, I mentioned kind of the expectation difference of this team. So, um, I'm not sure they necessarily have anybody to guard Trey young specifically, but again, all season they've succeeded. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Man, I, I'm kind of with you. And I think this line was like at six or six and a half. So I'm a little bit curious why this team seems to be going with Atlanta. But you're right. I mean, Atlanta still has talent, but they haven't been that great lately. And the Clippers can really match up well in terms of their defense. So getting seven in the hook seems like a lot. I, I'm kind of with you in that spot. Seems fishy, but it would seem like the safer side would be to taking the points with the Clippers. So that'll be a fun one to look out for. Uh, Alex, we got a couple minutes. I got to ask you one more thing here. Last night, we had a very narrative-driven game between the Nets and the Sixers. And despite a lot of beliefs that, hey, Philly would go out and win, including myself thinking that, uh, the Nets took care of business. And obviously, everybody's booing Ben Simmons. Everybody's expecting Joel Embiid, Harden to go out and shine, but they didn't. Do you think that game, even though it's one game, kind of hurts Joel Embiid's MVP candidacy just a little bit because that was on a big stage and Jokic is only getting better and better as we go on? Uh, I, I'm not sure about that game specifically. I mean, I think, I, I think his candidacy is interesting in general when you, when you factor in the James Harden trade, right? Well, let's, let's say Philly, they rattle off a tongue of wins. Even if we put this to the side, they, they do really well from here on out. Uh, will people view like, oh, well, they got James Harden. So Embiid, you know, not as much as on his shoulders, uh, that sort of a thing. But um, I've been on Jokic for MVP for a while. I still think he's the guy I would go with, just given the talent around him and the fact that uh, I think at this point um, they have almost the exact same record. I think they both have 40 wins, the Nuggets and the the 76ers, and the talent difference uh, between who, who Embiid has around him and who has Jokic uh, has around him is, is pretty significant. So I'm not sure if that game specifically will, will affect things too much, but I think kind of the narrative between Harden being on the team now uh, is something to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. And people thought it would kind of hinder the stats. And look, Embiid's been going off, but finally against a top team, or so to speak, not the standings, but we can assume will be, uh, didn't really shine. But you're right. People are loving Jokic, and his odds are coming down and coming down. Can still get plus money. A lot of people, and I'm sure yourself included, thinking that's going to switch sooner rather than later. But hey, Alex, we are up against it, my man. Thank you for providing this great insight for the games tonight and some of the futures outlook. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on very soon. Of course, sounds good. Alex underscore NBA Ruth, where you could follow him on Twitter. And again, check out his content over at RotoWire. More NBA talk, but in the futures department coming up next. And we'll recap Danny's dimes as we wrap up a Friday edition of Rush Hour.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. So download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to sign up today. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. 
Okay, final segment on this Friday evening. Welcome back into Rush Hour. Thanks for being with us. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5. Or you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Beeson Live or the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Big thanks to Alex Barutha hopping on, talking some NBA. And we kind of got to the discussion of futures just a little bit, but briefly with MVP. I do want to talk more NBA futures, not most improved player. We already went on that, ran in the middle of the week. Still hope you got in on that. 16-1, now down to 14-1 on Garland at Bet Rivers. But I want to focus in on NBA Defensive Player of the Year award. So a lot of times, and really these past couple of seasons, it's always been Rudy Gobert's award to lose. Ever since he won it, that's kind of been the sentiment. And he is the favorite at the sports books right now. And at Bet Rivers, he's minus 143. Then you get Bam at a bio plus 350. Giannis Antetokounmpo at 6-1. Robert Williams at the Celtics at 12-1. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Grizzlies at 14-1. I actually took a little flyer on him at 40-1 because I know VEASAN senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel was on the Jaron Jackson Jr. Defensive Player of the Year train from probably two, three months ago. But nevertheless... Is this award Gobert's right now, or is there actually some value in other places? And again, when you see some of these guys being favorites, not every single time does it mean that's actually what is reflective of how the standings of these players in this respective award are. Like, for example, Embiid being the favorite for MVP, yeah, that makes sense. But John Morant being the favorite for most approved player, like we discussed, no, that doesn't make sense. And if you want to know more why, check out my Twitter I tweeted out the clip, but we went into a whole thing about it. The point is there is some value potentially to be had for Defensive Player of the Year. But let's get into the stats and let's see if it actually is worth it despite what the odds are telling you. So going with Rudy Gobert to begin with, let's look at some of his underlying metrics. Now, I'm going to be throwing out some things out there in terms of definitions and numbers and stats. And the main one I want you to look at is effective field goal percentage, meaning what did his opponent effectively shoot from the field? And it does adjust for three-point field goals made. But look, per 100 possessions, Rudy Gobert is allowing minus 7.2 points per 100 possessions to his opponent, and that's in the 93rd percentile. Very solid, no doubt about it. His defensive effective field goal percentage is at minus 2.5%, and that is in the 87th percentile. However, last season, it was minus 6%. So although it may be the top of the list this season, it's nowhere near to as great as it has been in the past for Rudy Gobert, okay? Now, in terms of what he's doing blocking-wise, he's blocking 3.5% of his opponent's shot attempts. That's pretty high, 94th percentile, folks. He's averaging about 15 rebounds per game, over two blocks per game, and less than a steal per contest. So yeah, sure, Rudy Gobert, it's an award that's not really highlighted too much, so the assumption is he's always going to be at the top of the list by these sports books and by casual fans. So I guess in that sense, rightfully so, Rudy Gobert is the favorite here, and what he's seeing is about minus 143. But if we can move aside from Rudy Gobert, if the voters want to see someone else, or if just truthfully someone else deserves the award, I think we can narrow it down to two more people. And the next person that I think actually has a very good chance of getting it is Bam Adebayo, and that's reflected in the odds being the next short shot at plus 350. Now, Adebayo is allowing minus 7.6 points per 100 possessions. If you remember, Rudy Gobert is at minus 7.2. So Bam is in the 94th percentile with minus 7.6 points per 100 possessions. 
and his defensive effective field goal percentage a little bit less, but it's at minus 2%. That's in the 80th percentile. Now, last season, it was plus 1.4% for BAM, so there's been a big improvement for BAM defensively, and that's also what you want to see for someone in this category. Now, he's blocking just 1.4% of his opponent's shots. That's pretty low in the 37th percentile, but he's averaging over 10 rebounds per game, less than a block per game, but over a steal per game. He's at one and a half. You've seen the impact that Bam has had from the eye test a little bit more so than I feel like you have with Rudy Gobert and the Jazz. And the Heat are a very solid defensive squad overall. They're getting highlighted for that themselves. They're fifth in defensive points per possession. And a large part of that is because of the dominance down low with Bam and the types of guys he has to go up against. Like Rudy Gobert doesn't have to go up against Giannis in the East. He doesn't have to go up against Joel Embiid. Bam Adebayo has to do that during the season and presumably during the postseason. So I think that garners a lot of respect out of him and this Miami Heat team that's one of the best defensively and in the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference. So I think Bam deserves a lot of respect for this award and perhaps even a look at plus 350. Now, another guy who I alluded to kind of jokingly, but seriously, because look, I took a little piece of the 40 to one and I know JVT sweating it out, but Jaron Jackson Jr., could Jaron Jackson Jr. be worth a look? Probably not as much as Bam, but if you are looking for that further shot, then maybe it is Jaron. He's allowing minus 4.6 points per 100 possessions, which is a little bit lower in the 82nd percentile. Defensive effective field goal percentage minus 2.5%. That's in the 86th percentile, so he's pretty much in the same spot as Rudy there. And again, you've seen the improvement from last season. He was at plus 1.6%. Now he's minus 2.5%. He's blocking 4% of his opponent's shot attempts, which is the highest in the 97th percentile, folks. He's the highest between Bam and between Rudy in that respective category. He's not getting too many rebounds, but you also got Steven Adams to help out with that. He's getting over two blocks per game and a steal per game. And the Grizzlies defensively are better, eighth in defensive points per possession, than Utah, who is ninth in defensive points per 100 possessions. So look, I'm not really as gung-ho per se about Jaron Jackson Jr. right now, but if you're looking for a little bit of a different outlet, maybe the voters switch it up. Maybe they're giving more respect to a different guy who seems to be, again, highlighted a little bit more for his defensive dominance. I think Bam Adebayo could be your guy at plus 350. I don't have as much conviction, of course, as I do with the Darius Garland Award, but I did just want to talk about this because I think it's valuable to address it and still see, despite us getting toward the end of this regular season as of this point, there's still some value in some of these awards despite what these odds are telling you. And if you don't want to lay the price with Gobert, I definitely think Bam Adebayo should pique your interest for Defensive Player of the Year, and right now you can get him at plus 350. So again, I'm not saying I'm using it as an official play, but I did just want to lead you to there if you had more conviction than I did and would go, yeah, you know what, that is some decent value because I do think it was important to throw out there to still see some value. But I do want to recap before we head out here, folks, some bets that I am officially making for Danny's Dimes tonight. Here's what we had rolling with in the NBA. We talked about it with Alex Barutha. Him and I are rooting out the same side. We are both riding the Charlotte Hornets this evening. Now, granted... He's laying the three with the Hornets. You know how I go. If it's a shorter spread, I'm willing to lay a little bit more on that money line so I don't have to deal with the volatility that is the end of NBA games that we see so often, even more so in college basketball. 
But I'm going with the Hornets on the money line here, minus 134. Big storyline, no C.J. McCollum, no Brandon Ingram for the Pelicans tonight. The Pelicans have lost their last three games, and I just think the Hornets statistically, and because of the advantages with the roster and who the Pelicans don't have present, it goes with the Hornets. So again, I laid minus 134. Would probably, if you really were set on the money line, I'd probably lay it up to like minus 150 at the absolute most. But again, maybe if it's getting over that at that point, just lay on the spread. But I do think the Hornets get the job done tonight against the Pelicans. And then the other play that we had, this is going to be a player prop. Clippers and Hawks. Now, really quick, this spread seeming to get out of hand for this game. We we're also talking about that with Alex. Up to seven and a hook with this Clippers team catching it. They're really good defensively. Hawks have kind of been shaky. Nevertheless, I'm going with a player prop in this game. Give me Nicholas Batum over one and a half three-point field goals made at the price of minus 127. He's averaging two three-point field goals made per contest, shooting 40% from deep, and 69% of his shot attempts come from beyond the arc. So the large sample size of his shots are going to come from this spot. And not only that, he's going against a defense who's abysmal at defending that region. The Hawks rank 27th in defending the three ball, allowing opponents to connect on 37% of their shots. He's already gone over this mark once against Atlanta and overall in 24 out of 47 games this season. So I'm banking on Nicholas Batum making two or more threes against the Hawks once again tonight. So Nicholas Batum over one and a half three-point field goals made at minus 127 is our second play tonight alongside the Hornets on the money line minus 134 on the road against the Pelicans. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Best of luck with your plays. Enjoy the madness this weekend and take care. And until Monday, we'll catch up then.